Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, the unionization drive in digital newsrooms across the country. We saw this week a walkout of employees at BuzzFeed News in New York and in other offices around the country as they've been increasingly frustrated by management's refusal to recognize a union at the company. The BuzzFeed move comes amidst a wave of unionization efforts, some successful, some less so, at other digital media shops as journalists, especially at digital outlets, face increasing uncertainty from the business models around um, digital advertising. So where does this go and what does it mean for those people who are working at BuzzFeed now? I'm thrilled to be joined by Rachel Sanders and Azim Gureshi who work at BuzzFeed and who have been involved in this effort. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Rachel, let's start with you. CJR covered this walkout, which which was cool in part because other newsrooms showed up in support, people who didn't work at BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. But you were quoted in that piece saying that you were disappointed by the way BuzzFeed management has sort of handle this? What did you mean? Disappointed how? Yeah, I, I think it is for me, it feels really personal because I've, I've worked there for a long time, more than six years now, and I've seen the company go through all these different incarnations and grow a lot and change a lot. And, and I've been really emotionally invested in it. And I think I truly expected when we first announced the union that that they would if not embrace it, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect that, especially because our CEO, Jonah Peretti, has sort of made comments in the past that he doesn't think a union is right for BuzzFeed. So I don't think I thought it was going to be sunshine and roses and hugging at the negotiation table. But I really thought that they would be ready, you know, to have the conversation and to sort of negotiate with us. And that just hasn't happened. And, and I really feel like the company's leadership wasn't prepared. They don't want this to happen and they haven't really been able or willing to meet us on fair terms. And so I guess I just feel like on a really personal level, I feel let down that I expected better than we've gotten so far. And you feel personally let down. Like we were talking before the taping started about like, what is your interaction with, say, Ben Smith, who's the editor of BuzzFeed and who is this sort of point person on this, um, mm-hmm. may- maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. What is it like when you're, because you're, you edit culture stories there, mm-hmm. um, and you want to talk about a piece, and d- it, how much of a cloud is this hanging over that interaction? It's a big cloud for me. I think I, to be honest, I wish it were a bigger cloud for Ben. <laughs> I think, you know, he's a, he's a great editor, and he's really invested and engaged in the stories we're working on every day and walking around the newsroom and talking to people. So we, I think most people in the newsroom have a real relationship with him and are continuing to do that and talking about stories with him every day. But it's it's become this really like weird elephant in the room, I think, where Ben isn't really involved in these union negotiations. I think we've been worried that he's maybe not fully up to speed on everything that's happening based on the conversations we're having with the company's lawyers. So it's really hard for me not to think about it. And I, I guess I wish we could just have a more direct conversation about it. Do you bring I mean, it up in, in, in after, after you have a story discussion? Do you say like, by the way, Ben, what's going to happen with this union thing? I think we've learned not to do that because he's made it really clear that he didn't really want to have those conversations with us. I think also on that note, Ben, you know, a line that that he's repeated a lot at uh, newswide meetings that we've had since um, we went public is that, you know, he wants to he wants us to be able to get back to work. You know, the layoffs obviously were 
a really dark cloud at the beginning of this year. Um, then then the union, unionization stuff happened. And, you know, he wants us to get back to reporting and putting out good work. And I think we he fundamentally does not see that in order for us to do good work, we need this to happen yeah. and yeah. that those things are connected, that that our work and the conditions of our work are connected. And that's what we're finally you know, trying to accomplish here. And I think it's maybe be beginning to seep in for him. But for a while, he was sort of like, oh, we'll get this out of the way. And, you know, the reporting is what matters. Azine, you're an investigative reporter there. And, mm-hmm. But you've been involved in this union organizing effort since it started. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a naive, dumb question, but why is it taking so long? Like, what is your analysis of what, is it just a s- intentional delay? Or how do you characterize it? I mean, I think we've sort of gotten caught trying to do the math and figure out, you know, sort of who's calling the shots here, what is motivating all of the decisions they've made. And we can sort of drive ourselves crazy making these assumptions about stuff that, that we don't know that's happening behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. What we do know is that it, it has taken longer than any other newsroom that is that is unionized in the last five years or so. We've we've been keeping track right. even um, since among those that have been voluntarily recognized. Right. Yeah. Which like they made a choice and we were very heartened by their choice when we went public on February twelfth. Um, <laughs> that that they were going to voluntarily recognize us. That means they were they were saying publicly that they um, were accepting our our decision to unionize with the News Guild and that they were going to move forward with recognizing with accepting that, and and they have just not done that. So it's it's very confusing why they would say they wanted to voluntarily recognize us if they actually didn't want to. Um, but I think Rachel and I were talking on the train over here. Even in the time that. Since we went public on February 12th, something like four other newsrooms have also gone public and been recognized Mm -hmm. in the four Mm -hmm. months since we've been sort of having this back and forth that's been at times very tense, at times very hopeful, um, and ultimately is still still not finished. Let's talk about why this is so important and why you see this as critical in your ability to do your job in a confident way. What are the tenets of what you're looking for that make that so? I mean, the things that we're fighting for broadly are guaranteed due process for terminations, pay equity, requiring that we have a diverse newsroom across the entire newsroom, you know, among the reporting staff and the editors and upper management, competitive 401ks, affordable health care, you know, basic stuff that, that we've seen all these digital newsrooms um, and print newsrooms yeah, and, asking for. And I think one of the really big ones is severance. And that mm-hmm. was something that, that hit home for everyone at BuzzFeed, including the newsroom, when they had layoffs early this spring. And I think it was, you know, even though ultimately the company agreed to pay people pretty generous severance in that situation, it felt terrifying to have no control Mm -hmm. over that, to have no seat at the table there, to have to literally circulate a petition to get the company to pay out the PTO days that people hadn't had a chance to use. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, for me, one of the biggest factors in informing the union is literally being able to sit at a table with management, you know, and and have a conversation that is regulated by law that puts you on a more even footing. And that makes a really big difference. How tied is this effort to the economic situation, both at BuzzFeed and digital journalism in general, which has suffered as digital advertising has basically hit a wall? Um, would, would, be, would we be having this conversation or 
how do you characterize the timing of it? Well, yeah, just based on what Rachel just said about the severance, I mean, the layoffs certainly played a role in sort of speeding things up. Um, but this this process had been um, in motion many, many, many months before the layoffs mm-hmm. actually happened. I think, you know, I think it was three years ago that Jonah was asked um, at a company-wide meeting about how he felt about BuzzFeed unionizing, and he said that he just didn't think it was right for BuzzFeed. You know, at that time, it was sort of a punchline, I think, that things were definitely flush at the company, and, um, you know, the newsroom was hiring, I think, many, many, many people a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was it was just a different time. But I think we were always aware that this is something that we would have to consider eventually, you know. But there was also this ad- adoption of this kind of Silicon Valley ethos that, like, we're all stakeholders here and that we're all building something really cool mm-hmm. and that we're all going to benefit from it. And we're all family. We're all family. <laughs> yeah. You, you couldn't see it as Ian sort of raised her eyebrows at that notion. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of, you know, I know a lot of relatively cynical journalists who totally bought into that, both at BuzzFeed and elsewhere. Do you think that was all good intention at the time? I yes, I certainly so think it was talking. well intentioned. Sorry to no, you steal were, your answer. You were here earlier. <laughs> yeah, and when I started, it was kind of a wild west yeah. summer camp atmosphere at the mm-hmm. company, you know, where we would get these fun holiday swag gifts and mm-hmm. have cool parties and, you know, a frozen yogurt machine, which we still have and it's great. Um but that there is this funny idea that I think that, you know, an idea of the company is sort of your your benevolent parent mm-hmm. that provides for you. And that I've seen this at other companies, too. There seems to be a sense of betrayal mm-hmm. when you say, actually, you know, there are some things here that, that aren't quite working for us. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing issues where people aren't being paid the same or we want this level of the company to be more diverse or we want to have a voice in these decisions. And so I think that at least from where I'm standing, it seems like the reaction from the leaders of the company is kind of this sense of like personal betrayal as if we're saying that we haven't been treated well enough. And I really don't think that's what it is. I think Mm -hmm. we're asking for not just a theoretical buy-in to the company, but like a really practical Mm -hmm. way of being involved in in determining like the conditions of where we're working. I mean, there is a way to think about this as not adversarial. There is a way to think about this as... You know, I want you to feel as good as you can about the job that you're doing, and you want to feel as good as you can about the job that you're doing. And what do you need, and what can I give you? Obviously, I have constraints on my resources and my budget, but I don't know. I mean, it just it, 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 have you studied other companies that have recently gone through this? Is there one that that seems to have done it particularly well? What about Vox? Vox has been interesting to mm-hmm. watch because they they did have a tough time, but they have. And in some ways, I feel like they are the closest analog to us. And the deal was, I mean, what they ended up with was pretty good, right? Yeah. yeah. And But then they, they, you know, they had to walk out two weeks ago mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. just because there were these last components of their contract that the company wasn't budging on that they, you know, had to have that drastic of a move to, to get them to move on. Yeah. My impression was, and I haven't actually gone back and sort of like gotten the details on this, but that the recognition process, which typically isn't a huge fight like that's mm-hmm. where you're you're establishing the basic parameters of who's going to be in this union and i think there's usually some back and forth but most of the digital or just most of the media outlets that have unionized recently that hasn't been a huge drawn out battle i don't think it was at vox but then i 
than the contract negotiation itself, that did take a long time, mm-hmm. more than a year. But yeah, what they ended up with was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, I think we saw that and it felt inspiring mm-hmm. to think like you can have this conversation with the company and end up with something that makes a real practical difference to people every day. Mm-hmm. I had one point with the the family betrayal thing that, that Rachel was talking about, just that a lot of people have asked and sort of been worried that the unionization process would somehow make the atmosphere in the newsroom more tense or draw lines between management and staff where before those lines didn't exist. And it's this false notion that those lines didn't exist. I think Mm. that the layoffs and then the unionization process has just really shown that those lines were always there, that, Mm. you know, we do have Jonah and and to whatever extent Ben um, making these calls that are clearly not in our best interest and um, that are clearly in the company's best interest. And um, that was always there. It's not as if that appeared out of thin air. You always Um, had a boss. Exactly. And I think and I think he particularly really does not like to uh, to wear that hat or to, to seem like he's wearing that hat, yeah. you know. And I think it's just it's maybe good to to see that he is our boss, that, yeah. you know, that he does call the shots. Yeah. And, and for better or worse, like this is capitalism. <laughs> and that, that has been one of my big takeaways from all of this is like <laughs> at the end of the day, they're running a business mm-hmm. and they're being really, really explicit about that. I mean, and I don't I'm certainly not speaking for them, but. I can imagine that, that this wasn't a hat they wanted to wear necessarily either, right? right. I mean, they mm-hmm. kind of liked it when you guys, you know, everybody was sort of one cool, groovy family that we were just having sort of fun parties with and doing excellent journalism. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a, it's such, so interesting to me because it's such a Silicon Valley cultural thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and there's this PR image of these companies with and everybody's wearing sort of cool shoes and and <laughs> nobody's, everybody's doing other things and... But it, it ultimately, you know, when times get tough, people get cut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, and Ben is Ben is an incredible reporter. He has incredible news vision. He's he's great to work with yeah. on stories. And I think that for him too, that this this having to accept that doing this the ugly business of management, um, it's not necessarily something that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most most journalists who become bosses don't relish the boss part. Yeah, I mean, but honestly, right. I, I think, <laughs> but I think that's where a union could be really valuable in in a company that hasn't always had a lot of structure, where management hasn't always felt totally comfortable being management. Yeah. It's like if you formalize that relationship a little bit more, and you and you give your employees a way to sort of actually explain what they need and what they want mm-hmm. and why it's important. I think that could make the relationship much clearer and like better for everyone in the long run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't want to theorize about this, but what happens if this goes on for another, how many days has it been? I think we're up to 128. 128. Yeah. What if it goes on for another 128? You know, you can do instead of a one day walkout, you could do a two day, you could do whatever, I don't know. But I mean, is this one of the reasons why there, it seems to me there's been a decent number of departures from BuzzFeed? Do you think these two things are related? I think the layoffs certainly contributed to the attrition, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope 
that the union process hasn't really been a motivating factor. I think it's been a tough time. You don't think it's been general. demoralizing to that extent? I think the company's response has been demoralizing. Yes. I think the layoffs combined with the company's refusal, essentially, to, to recognize the, the union has definitely contributed to some of that. Yeah. I think there it's it's definitely gotten better recently, even while the union stuff is still languished. Mm. So I don't think that the two are completely connected. Um, but I think it it people can see it, it was not fun for a while to, you know, see Ben in the office and be like, oh, this is this is still happening and, and we can't do anything about it. Yeah. I mean, it's still not that much fun. <laughs> um, and I think, to be honest, it's it makes a difference in the way I think about coming to work every day. It's harder to work for people when I feel that they are fundamentally not respecting me and not respecting my colleagues and not interested in engaging in a conversation with us. Do you think your work has suffered? I hope not. (laughs) You should ask my boss. Um, And I think I'm lucky to be doing work that's flexible. I work on sort of longer term stories, so I I don't have to be publishing something every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've tried really hard to make sure that it's not suffering because the work matters so much to me. And I don't want I don't want that to be an excuse for the company to sort of undercut the union. Mm -hmm. So I think we all the whole organizing committee has worked so hard on top of the work we're already doing day to day. Because we need to do both, because it can't be a, a one or the other. Mm-hmm. And I really, I do think one of the crazy things that's come out of the layoffs and then our fight for the PTO payout and then the unionization is that the the staff has definitely grown a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the appreciation for each other and just seeing how much work everyone is putting in outside of also doing their day jobs. It's mm-hmm. just been like, for me, it's been flooring have so much more respect for my Mm. colleagues whose reporting and editing I've already had so much respect for. Mm. Azine and Rachel, thank you. Thanks for coming on. I wish you all the luck in the world. Thank Thank you you so much. Um, You can read CGR's coverage of the walkout of BuzzFeed on CGR.org and check in with us on everything else going on. Keep an eye out. In the next week or so, we'll be dropping our newest print magazine, which you can see online as we put those stories online. And we will see you next week. 